the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, who believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. Learn more today. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. Good Monday morning. My name is Mike Giannetti, managing editor of SpotTrack.com. We're going to talk a little football today. Bit of a week week twelve recap. Not too much to get into with the week twelve, um, and you know, in, in our world, in our neck of the woods, financially, we didn't have too much to, to deal with this week. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a shakeup, but we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. We're going to talk more about the, the the flip side of the NFL this week in terms of dead cap, um, the impact that has on a current season, on the future seasons, a little bit on on how that all kind of plays out in season and then off season. Then we're going to flip the switch to how dead cap is created. Uh, We've released our annual NFL roster bubble list, an early one, right? The first edition of it. Bunch of big names on there. Um, Positionally speaking, I think it's really interesting. We'll get into it. Obviously, there's quarterbacks. We talked about the quarterbacks for a while now. There's a, a, you know, a half dozen quarterbacks on there who, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise really to anybody at this point that they're on the bubble. And by the way, when I say bubble, I'm talking release or trade. A lot of these players, and really, you know, it's the way teams are are going now. A lot of these, lot of these players will be will try to be traded in early March, late February, when this this off season kicks in, um, because there's value in it, right? I mean, teams are willing to take fifth, sixth round picks now to get dead cap off their current payroll. And, you know, rebuild their teams that way. Oh, by the way, three fifth, three fifth round picks can get you a fourth. And a fourth is worth something. So that's how a lot of mindsets are right now. So I think a lot of these names on this roster bubble list we're going to break down do have a good chance to be traded in the, in the upcoming offseason. And we'll uh, identify some of those bigger names here in a couple of minutes. Then we're going to bring in Scott Allen, Track NBA guru. Uh, pretty interesting discussion. We're going to talk about how things sort of work in season with the NBA. Uh, obviously, nothing's really happening right now. I mean, the, the Portland Trailblazers signed Carmelo Anthony. We're going to talk about that a little bit and what that does or doesn't mean. Um, but then, you know, when does this really start to kick in? I think for a lot of us, the NBA doesn't even really start until December 25th, right? Christmas Day, it's always the best slate of games. Um, and then from that point on, teams, players, fans really start to engage a lot more in that league. Uh, so I want to discuss from a team building, from a, you know, a, a team changing standpoint, when does this thing really start to happen? When will we start to see some serious trades? When, when do teams identify who they are in season and say, all right, we need this, or this player is not working out like we thought. When does that start to happen? Scott's got some dates, some names, some teams who might be, uh, you know, starting to think about making moves as this Christmas season sort of kicks in. So when does that happen? How does that going to look? Then we're going to flip the switch and actually look back to the off season a little bit. Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, you know, you know, your Durant Irvin situation in Brooklyn. The big moves that were made, how do they look right now? It's early. It's about a quarter of the way through here, but how do they look? Where do they think they're going? You know, does anybody have regret right now based on what we saw? So we're going to talk a little bit, you know, not so much grading these trades, but how do they look? How do they feel? You know, is there going to be any repercussions? Are, are there future moves to come in response to what happened? And then we're going to finish it off with Luka Doncic because if you haven't heard or watched Luka Doncic in the Dallas Mavericks uniform yet, you are missing something special. And it's been a year and a half now, so it's not like this is reactionary. 
Um, he is consistently putting up 35 to 40 points a night. He is consistently in, uh, you know, in, in triple-double conversation or at a triple-double. Uh, he's doing everything. He's doing everything. He is basically single-handedly holding that team up right now as Christoph Porzingis, Porzingis sort of heals himself, gets himself back to 100%. And that team is still one piece away from being a real contender. So it's, they're sort of in limbo with they've got this superstar, right, kind of a generational talent. Um, we're going to leave that alone because I'm, I'm telling you, go and watch this kid on the court. It's fun right now. What I want to talk about is, you know, what are, what's going to be his contract structure? You know, they, they've, there's max, max contracts in the NBA. We know the levels. But for players like this, he can go above and beyond a little bit out of this rookie contract. So he's in year two of this rookie contract. What's next for him contractually? And then from there, what does he have to do? You know, what, what kind of awards does he need to win to get himself in a situation where he can max max as much as possible in the next three to four to five seasons? So we're going to have Scott in. We're going to talk about how that all works. And then we'll get into the fact that Luka Doncic and, and those sort of echelon elite players are kind of pigeonholed in this current max contract system. We've talked about it before with players like Durant, who they just do everything, and yet they're on the same kind of contracts as some of these players who kind of sneak into a max contract. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. But like I said, we're going to start with the NFL, get to some NBA, finish with Luka Doncic, and we'll go from there. All right, so let's, uh, let's dive into this dead cap situation. For those of you who don't know, dead cap is essentially signing bonus or guaranteed salary that sits in a team's payroll, and if any move is made, that, that, move, that money has to stay, that cap space has to stay with the team. Quick, quick example, if, it's, if there's a $10 million signing bonus on a four-year contract, for cap purposes, that signing bonus splits $2.5 million per year. The $10 million is paid up front generally, but for cap purposes, two and a half in each of the four years. So let's say we're in year two of that contract. So the cash is gone. The $10 million is already in the player's pocket, but only two and a half for year one and then two and a half for year two sit have, have been actually allocated to the, sal- the team's salary cap, okay? So let's say then that player is outright released, okay? There's seven and a half million, right, current year plus two more years of signing bonus allocation that still has to hit a salary cap, and it's got to hit that team's salary cap. They're the ones that paid the bonus, They've got to take on that full $10 million of cap at some point. All right? So, so not to get too technical, but this is also where the post-June 1st or pre-June 1st designation comes in. You're going to hear about this a lot on our site going forward and on Twitter as well. Here's how this works. So let's say, obviously right now we're after June 1st, right? It's November. So any move made now is considered a post-June 1st move. So let's say that this, con- this four-year contract is bl- belongs to... Tremaine Johnson on the Jets, who's been a complete bust. Now, he's worth six times this, but let's use this example with Tremaine Johnson. And the Jets just say, we've had enough. We've got to get rid of him, okay? Because it's after June 1st, in terms of the dead cap in 2019, they would only have to take on whatever dead cap actually exists in 2019, okay? So if it's a $2.5 million allocation to the signing bonus, that's the dead cap. And then obviously any guaranteed salary would roll into that as well. Then next year... 2020, they take on the rest of the dead cap. So if there's five million more remaining, you're talking two and a half million for this year, five million for next year. That's how it splits. Now let's fast forward to March. Okay, so we're in the new league year, but we're before June 1st. Let's say that same person 
had a $10 million signing bonus with $7.5 million of cap left on it. Because it's before June 1st, all $7.5 million would stay in that season's dead cap, right? That season's payroll. So $7.5 million of dead cap to that team in that one year. So that's the split. That's why June 1st matters for cap purposes, and that's how dead cap works with the signing bonus. Um, so when we go to do these roster bubble lists, what I'm looking at is how much time is left in the contract, how productive has that player been, right? I use some stats, some advanced metrics, and then what's the dead cap structure, right? Uh, uh, Matt Ryan, who's been up and down for two years now, you know, he might make this list were it not for 51 to $60 million of dead cap left on that deal, right? Because of the way that two bonuses were structured out, he's, his dead cap far exceeds his cap hits. So when that, that's called an inside-out contract right now. It makes no financial sense for Atlanta to, to move on from him because they're going to take such a gigantic dead cap hit. So when we're going to, to, to look at players that could be on the bubble, and, and you, you the same, I'm sure you as fans talk about, you know, cutting or trading, getting rid of somebody every week based on their performance, what you want to look at is cap hit versus dead cap. That's where it all comes down to. Now, teams, even the last two years, teams have been willing to take on more and more dead cap. They have. We've seen it in Antonio Brown. The Pittsburgh Steelers took on $21 million of dead cap this year to get rid of Antonio Brown. We've seen it with Tony Romo. The Dallas Cowboys took on a ton of dead cap to let Tony Romo walk because of the Dak Prescott situation. The point I'm trying to make here is, Five years ago, everybody was afraid of it. Everybody was afraid of piling up that dead cap because essentially it, it, it disallowed you to build a team around it, right? If you had 15 to 20% of your cap built into dead cap, that's cap dollars you can't use to go and sign somebody or extend to somebody. So from there, flash forward three, four years, you know, 2017 into 2018, teams started to figure out, hey, We've all got a ton of cap now, right? Nobody's afraid of salary cap anymore. Nobody. There, there was always ways to maneuver yourself to get extra cap dollars, right? Restructures, some trades, some quick releases, all those things. There's plenty of little vices and tools that GMs are smart enough to use to get themselves cap when needed. It's not even a, it's not even a struggle now. I mean, if you look at the cap tracker for 2019 and then flip forward to 2020, every team in the league is in great shape, honestly. And even teams that don't look like they're in great shape, they're going to be fine because they're going to decline some club options. They're going to release some of these big names we're talking about on the bubble list. Or they're flat out just going to make a trade to say, we need to clear up $11 million. We like this guy. I'd rather, I'd rather turn that guy into a draft pick, which saves us a ton of cap. And that's how you do it. But, but the league cap has been rising $10, $11 million every year. So when you've got that in your back pocket, you know that you can be a little frivolous, right? You can take on 15 to 20 million of dead cap and really not even blink about it. So the point I want to make here is it has changed. The mindset has changed. The ability to sort of accrue this dead cap has changed. And it's not, it's not holding teams back from being successful. Now, there are the extremes, right? When you've got Miami, the Miami Dolphins piling up what they're doing, it is very evident that they're doing it for a reason, okay? They're not rolling over bad contracts right now and trying to get out from under. They're purposely trying to reduce their roster, to reduce their cap, their active cap, because they've got two years of building and, and, and honestly wishful thinking coming. Um, so there's that extreme. And there are, you can identify which teams are doing that. But there's a, 
For instance, the team with the second most dead cap right now in 2019 is the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think anybody thinks the Arizona Cardinals are trying to rip it all down. Now, they might. You know, I've got David Johnson on this roster bubble list. That's going to be a significant amount of dead cap for them next year. So there's a chance that they're still sort of in limbo. And, and you, can, you can learn a lot by what a team's dead cap number is in any particular year. You can learn a lot. For instance, number, fifth, number five on the list right now is Pittsburgh, right? Twelve weeks ago, when Roethlisberger goes down, then they make that ridiculous trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, which we all crushed because they gave up a first-round pick in a situation where many of us thought, all right, it's time to rip this down and rebuild from the draft. And then they give up their most important draft asset. Well, they've got $33 million of dead cap right now, but they're in pretty darn good shape next year, right? Assuming Roethlisberger comes back and assuming these young pieces are all healthy and back in the fold, that first-round pick... You know, that's not vital to them. One of our co-hosts, Paul Peck, said it perfectly. If they weren't going to use that first-round pick on a quarterback, then they didn't need it. Then they didn't need it. Because the holes that they need, they can go and find in free agency or via trade. So I think that's exactly right. If Ben Roethlisberger is in the fold for two more years, which I think all signs point to it, especially with the debacle that's been Mason Rudolph, then a team like Pittsburgh should... This is essentially what they're doing. They're rebuilding on the fly. They're rebuilding in front of our eyes, similar to what Baltimore has done over the past 18 months. So their dead cap represents something a lot different than the Dolphins' dead cap does. And I think Arizona's maybe somewhere in the middle of that. Now, the Giants, the Giants started this process last year at the trade deadline, and they didn't do enough, to be honest. They didn't trade enough people last year, and they didn't trade anybody this year. I think they needed to rip the, rip the Band-Aid off a little bit more, to be honest. They're at $40 million. They're third in this list right now in dead cap. They're a team that I think doesn't know where they belong right now. And those are the kind of teams that really scare me. I think Denver's in that same boat. Denver and the Giants are top five dead cappers right now. I don't think they know where they belong right now. They don't know if they should push, if they should pull back, if they should stay idle and, and see if some of their pieces can improve. That's a tough spot to be in. Um, I think the Giants are probably in a little better spot because they at least like their quarterback. And, you know, that quarterback needs a couple of years to grow into the, in that system and obviously they're going to put a coach and a, and a couple of weapons around him as they go here. But if I'm Denver, I'm struggling because the, the Hail Mary pass I took for Joe Flacco to come in and be that veteran presence bombed. <laughs> it just absolutely bombed. Um, blame it on coaching, blame it on Flacco, blame it on what you want. But it bombed. So they are back at square one with their quarterback. Um, so like I said, it, it's very interesting to look at even the top half of the league and their dead cap. Uh, you're always going to see teams like San Francisco and New England and Seattle in the middle of that boat, always. And this is why. And I'm going to get to what this means. They are not afraid to make moves, and they never sign somebody to a deal that forces them into a, a terrible dead cap scenario. Never. It just doesn't happen. San Francisco front loads their contracts, so by year two, the dead cap is gone. It's flat out gone. New England never puts the monster, monster number, number on a contract. They don't build in any fluff to their, to, their, to their deals. They're one or two years, three or four, and, and any three- or four-year deal essentially has declining cap at the back end of it. It's just very smart, very structured. They've earned that right. Let's be frank. There aren't many teams that can do what the Patriots do contractually because of their right. But we're starting to see teams get a lot smarter. The middle of the pack right now in terms of 2019 dead cap, so let's say number 10 to number uh, 20, Number 10 to number 20, that's Houston to Green Bay. The teams that sit inside of there, 
They're your playoff teams, folks. I mean, they are your top echelon teams. Seattle, Houston, San Francisco, New England, Indianapolis, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Eagles, eh, the Packers, and then the Bills sit right out on top of that. That's your, that's your bread and butter right there, okay? Not too high, not too low. And, and this isn't just a dead cap conversation, okay? If you start to look at the positional spending, you're going to see these teams, most of these teams, in this ranking across the board. That's where the, the Patriots are with Brady. That's where the Patriots are with their wide receivers. Now with their tight ends, now that Gronk is out of the fold. Certainly with their offensive line. Certainly with their defensive line. They just don't go too high or too low. And the reason they don't go too low is because they had depth. Where, where most teams have four players, one of whom is crazy high paid on that defensive line, right? Your big-ass pass rusher. The Patriots say, no, let's get eight. Let's get eight guys that add, add up to somewhere in the middle of the pack. And we're going to work with that. And then we're going to cover ourselves for injuries. We're going to cover ourselves for big dead cap scenarios. And we're going to keep ourselves clean so we can continue to roll this thing over and over. It's how the dynasty structure has to work. It has to. Okay? If it won't, because one player can sink you. One Khalil Mack contract. Imagine if Khalil Mack was terrible. <laughs> and the Bears had to deal with Trubisky's dead cap and Khalil Mack's dead cap in the next 18 months. It's just not something you can recover from very easily even after everything I just said with the cap rising and dead cap doesn't scare teams too much anymore. You can't get yourselves into that extreme of a situation, okay? Because then you are the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants, who are teams, you know, starting to push themselves back up the ladder a little bit. But 40 million plus of dead cap this year has stopped them from doing so. It, just, it truly has, right? The Giants probably wanted to add a couple of more weapons for Daniel Jones. You really can't do that when you've got that much allocated to your cap to your dead cap. So, you know, they're a year out from really being able to push down the, ba the gas pedal. But like I said, when you're sitting in that 10 to 20 range, and I can, give it to, I can, I can get you to 25 if you look at some of the teams there. Um, but it's coming. It, it, it's sort of the way we're doing this. And the point I wanted to make here, and the final point that dead cap I want to make is, it is not always, a, in fact, statistically speaking, over the last three years, I ran some numbers. I don't think it's any surprise that teams with the most dead cap, right, your top five dead cap teams aren't going to be very successful. Half those teams are probably flat out tanking. The other ones are in limbo, the Denver Broncos scenario, the Giants scenario, where they started to make some moves, something went wrong, they got stuck, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, it's, they're on plan B. You know, if the plan was to, to be more successful and something happened, then they're starting to, to, to blow it up instead. So they're, they've turned the course, they've turned a corner, and they were stuck with a top five dead cap because of it. But you don't want to be at the bottom either. You don't want to be the team with one million of dead cap. And I'm looking at you, Cincinnati, right? The Cincinnati Bengals have been 28 to 30th in dead cap all decade, all decade. And think about what that means. If you really understand how this dead cap structure works, what it means is, number one, you're never going too high with your contracts. And that's, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, except you're still overpaying, right? Because you're not bringing in a plethora of players. You're not bringing in depth. You're just not. And we've seen it. And then the second thing, and the most notable part of this, is it means they fall in love with their players too much. And nobody has done that more than Cincinnati with their coaching staff, with their quarterback, with their wide receivers. I mean, A.J. Green has not been a viable weapon for 
two seasons. He just hasn't. And <laughs> they refuse to trade him this year, this year, when it's all going to blow up. So that, to me, is the biggest sign of weakness on a team. If you've got a team that is routinely at the bottom of the dead cap list, look, it could mean that they're just slaying it, right? They're killing it. Their front office is just, they're cap masters and they're slaying it. And they know exactly how to work this deal. I, I don't look at it that way at all. In my opinion, you have to know when a mistake has been made and you have to understand that a mistake is a mistake, right? If you can't identify something that's wrong and be willing to take on some of that, some of the hit to go, it means you're dragging things out to a point of where you're never going to catch up, okay? We have, we've seen it. Look, at Baltimore is the perfect example. The Ravens are the perfect example. The Joe Flacco situation was a nightmare. Many, there's many teams out there right now in Joe Flacco land, right? I think Detroit is worried about Matthew Stafford. I think Atlanta's worried about Matt Ryan to some degree. I, I know Carolina is terrified about Cam Newton, and the list goes on and on, okay? You've got to know and identify not just your quarterback position, but all these major positions and say, something's not working here. And if we fix this and this and this and this right now, I think we can restart the, the engine a little bit, right? Rather than rip down the whole body and rebuild the whole car. There are, there are ways to do this and it takes tinkering, okay? It takes tinkering. You cannot sit there with your hands under your butt and be a front office, you know, a GM in this league. And teams that are routinely at the bottom of dead cap you can give them credit if you want, but I look at it as somebody who's standing pat and being too cautious and, being, and sitting in prevent defense for too long. There, there are moves to be made. You have got to get better every year in some degree, and that costs cap. It does. Okay, it doesn't mean you have to go and sign a blockbuster contract, but it means you've got to be able to give up on players. If you, see, if you have a rookie that you've drafted who, who's just flat out worth it, there's no reason to sit that player behind a veteran. Get rid of the veteran. Trade him cut them, whatever has to happen. That's just one example. All right? If there's a veteran that you just like, don't keep him on a one-year deal. Extend him. Get yourselves into a little bit more of a riskier situation to allow yourself flexibility and fluidity. I just, I look at a team like the Bengals, and I don't mean to harp on them because there's plenty of teams that are doing this right now. But I look at a team like the Bengals, and quite frankly, the team with the lowest dead cap in the league right now are the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that's that's everything we have to say about the Chargers right now. For two years now, myself and many of you out there have had the Chargers high on the AFC list. Contenders, legitimate contenders, because of Rivers' experience, a solid running game, and a Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry arsenal. That's an offense that should succeed. <coughs> but they have been too afraid to rip it up. Now, they've been injury-bitten. I'm not going to... Uh, we know what they are. But... The, but they didn't do enough. They have not done enough. They should have made significant upgrades this offseason and taken a hit, okay? Their active cap is some of the lowest in the entire league right now. I mean, it's $150 million. That's just, it's just not good enough for the roster that's being put out there and the team that's performing right now. They had a chance to take on some hits and move on from Melvin Gordon. If you're not going to do that, then sign the guy, in my opinion. All right? I, I just think that's a perfect example of a team that stood pat. Even after all these injuries, you know, they didn't rip it down, right? They're not tanking. They didn't have five guys injured in, tra in training camp and say, ah, let's, let's give up on the year. Let's rip it down. They are stuck in the middle of nowhere. And now, I don't know if they have a quarterback because I don't know if Philip Rivers is going to be the answer going forward or even if he plays football anymore. So 
now are you going to be stuck with all these contracts next year and no quarterback and you're going to have to rebuild with a ton of cap allocated? Or are they going to try to rip this all down in March? Uh, to me, that's, that's bad short-term planning, bad long-term planning, and not enough, not enough activity. Do something. Do something. Uh, I'm not going to put a, a, a knock on Minnesota. Minnesota's a 31st dead cap right now. But Minnesota has gone very, uh, taken a very unique approach. We'll see if it works uh, as they're sneaking themselves into the playoffs here. They kept everybody. I mean, they flat out kept everybody. Anthony Barr tried to go to the Jets, agreed to a contract, bailed on it, came back. They brought back all the defense. Stefan Diggs got the extension. Thielen got another extension. Kirk Cousins, you know about his contract. Uh, Delvin Cook's coming. <laughs> They're not going to let that guy walk. So there's, there's just – they decided we love what we have. We think this is the right team for this city, and we're just going to sign everybody. And they have. They have truly extended all of their major focal points. That's why there's no dead cap. They just set, simply haven't let anybody walk. And, they, and all of their – it's basically 10 big contracts – and then fill in the blanks with, you know, small veteran contracts or rookie contracts. It's a different approach. It's a, it's a riskier approach than most teams are willing to take. Most teams identify three or four players as a core and say, these are our guys. They get the big contracts. We'll fill in the blanks from there. Minnesota went big. Minnesota essentially doubled their core, and they're all in on their starting lineup. Risky for injuries, but it's paid off for them for the past, you know, year and a half. Now they haven't gotten to the finish line. And we'll see if they can do that in the next two years with Cousins under contract. But that's why they're there. Dallas, to me, is in the Cincinnati and Los Angeles conversation. They're slowly starting to become the Minnesota conversation, right? Ha they have brought back four of their pieces. But it's not the quarterback. It's not the wide receiver. And to be frank, it's not the cornerback either. And I identify those positions as top tier, top five positions. So Byron Jones, Mark Cooper, Dak Prescott, question marks next to their names. So we'll see. They've got a, they're gonna, I think they're going to make a coaching change if they miss these playoffs. So there could be a lot of new in Dallas, which I'm telling you right now is necessary. They need to, make, they need to do something impactful to re-energize that franchise and get themselves back into a situation where they can be attractive again. Uh, and then there were the Bears. The Bears sat, sat pretty idle this offseason, let's be frank. They didn't have the draft picks because of the Cleo Mack acquisition. They thought they had, they thought they liked the Trubisky. They did. I mean, they were twelve and four last year. Can't blame them, but they sat idle this year, and they should have made more moves. They should have flipped that defense a little bit more, in my opinion, to to, to allocate some of that money to offensive weapons. It's just something they didn't do. They had a nice draft pick in David Montgomery. They're trying to build this thing through the draft, essentially, you know, exclusively now, because they think that the cap space isn't there. Use your cap space. They've got 18 million in cap space right now this year, which is going to roll over to next year. So, you know, maybe this is lesson learned in, in the next offseason in March. The Chicago Bears actually push, 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 and they have to to keep up with Minnesota and Green Bay right now. They have to push. So we'll see. So those are your bottom teams right now. And then Tampa Bay's consistently down there as well. Tampa Bay doesn't guarantee contracts, okay? No signing bonuses. They'll give you a couple of years of base salary guaranteed. But they won't throw any bonuses in there. So there's no dead cap built into Tampa Bay. That's their structure. Pittsburgh has a structure where they don't guarantee base salaries, which is the inverse of Tampa Bay system. They'll give you a nice big bonus in Pittsburgh. That's it. Okay? And then you're playing for uh, non-guarantees at that point. Tampa Bay's the opposite. They'll guarantee your base salaries, but no bonuses. So that's why they're consistently at the bottom of the list. 
So again, take Tampa Bay out of this, out of this equation. Take Minnesota out of it right now because they're there because they're simply sticking it, staying intact. They're a good team staying intact versus Cincinnati, who was an average team and consistently tried to stay intact. Okay? Cincinnati's at $11 million of dead cap right now because they finally started to say, we got to do something. I expect multiple trades from the Bengals, multiple releases, cap casualties from the Bengals. It's going to be a big, big uh, offseason in Cincinnati. I think Andy Dalton is uh, probably shipped out of town in some fashion. I'd, I'd guess an outright release. Uh, you know, I just I think there's too many mouths to feed with the quarterback position right now to for anybody to give up a, a draft asset for Andy Dalton. But keep an eye on Cincinnati. I think this is finally the year that a new front office and a new coach get together and say, we got to rip this thing up and, tr- and have a more traditional style offseason. Go for it. Acquire some draft picks, trade some players out, you know, get some pile up some dead cap and do this thing the right way. It's just the way to do it. It's the way to do it. The Bills had to do this two years ago. They led the league in dead cap. They're still up there a little bit, still feeling some of those wounds, but they're eight and three. Okay. They took their lumps financially speaking, and now they've, they've converted over to a situation where next off season in March, now they're one or two pieces away. Now they're pushed. The gas pedal is down in Buffalo. Okay. And they're a team that free agents are going to want to go to. Okay. They have done it. They've flipped this thing over. Like I said, Baltimore did this in about a minute and a half. You know, everybody wants to go to Baltimore now. So this can be done, but you have to take your lumps. You just have to. New England's the outlier, okay? We, we, can't, we can't compare anybody to, to New England because they are afforded opportunities that other teams just aren't. They are able to structure the way they do. They, they're able to mediate their dead cap and their active cap because of the dynasty approach that they've taken and they've earned. So keep them out of it. Look at teams in that 10 to 20 range at the dead cap list, and that's where you want to be and understand how those teams got there, what they did, how they built themselves to this point, and how they continue to do it on an annual basis. So it's not just about who's got the most. I know I tweet that out a lot, but it's also about who's got the least and why they have the least and what, what that means. Does it mean they're good and they're super happy and they're, and they're in a year now where they're just the same team they've been and they want to keep it going? That's Dallas and Minnesota. Or are they the Bears and the Chargers who sat on their hands all offseason and said, we think we're good enough to, to win what, with what we have, even though they weren't at the level that the Minnesota Vikings were. So we'll see. Big offseason coming. Keep an eye on that. We'll be tweeting that stuff out as it goes. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for real sports fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade, every free agent signing. There's plenty coming, folks. And storylines on all your teams, as well as expert analysis from national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun, you know them all. Plus deep insights from analytic gurus and lots of team executives like John Hollinger, Seth Partnow, and more. Join today, get 40% off your yearly subscription by going to theathletic.com slash spottrack 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40-O-F-F. And stay tuned. We're going to have a Black Friday special for The Athletic. So any of you looking to get in, maybe give a gift to somebody, all those things. It's the holiday season, folks. We're going to have a special uh, offer with The Athletic coming in the next couple of days here. We'll be tweeting that out, and we'll talk about it on the next show as well. So keep an eye out for that. All right, let's flip the switch to these roster bubbles. We're talking dead cap. Let's talk about how teams are going to get some dead cap coming up here because, look, at this is a... We do this every year. I do about four versions of this every year, just as reports come out, 
as the season continues on and you sort you sort of see the, the tea leaves, you can read the tea leaves on some of these teams in week 15 and week 16. You start to see healthy scratches, things like that. And just players that no longer fit or are purposely being held out to not risk injury because a lot of these te- players have injury guarantees built into their contract where if they finish off 2019 injured and they can't pass a, fi- pass a physical in March, now their salary is fully guaranteed. The team can't move on. The team can't move. can't trade that player. There's just lots of stipulations that go with it. So keep an eye on the next couple of weeks. Who's sitting? Who's not getting the reps that they usually get? Those kind of things. It's generally a sign that something's wrong from a system standpoint, and that player might be on some sort of bubble. Um, obviously, you got to start with the quarterbacks, most important position. There's some names here. All right, we've talked about Andy Dalton on the show already. I'm not going to talk too much more. You know his situation. It's been like this for two years. There's no dead cap tied to Andy Dalton. All right. Cincinnati can clear $17.7 million by moving on, whether via a trade or a release. It, it's, it just seems like a no-brainer. And Andy Dalton's a good dude, pretty solid quarterback, can put up some numbers. Uh, I'd love to see him get a change of scenery and, and see what happens. Maybe I, that's, that seems like a Denver move, right? That just seems like a solid fit there. Uh, he's not crazy old, folks. All right? he can, he's got some years left in that, in that arm. And I think with some weapons, I love, I love the prospect of him with Cortland Sutton. It feels like a younger A.J. Green. Um, I, I just I, I think that works to me. I think Andy Dalton is a more competent version of a veteran coming in to Denver and sort of settling down that system. Joe Flacco just didn't have it. All right, Joe Flacco's on this list. He's, he's number one on this list. He's got a $23.65 million dead ca- or cap hit next year. Uh, they're going to save $10 million by moving on immediately, okay? Just save the $10 million, get rid of him. I think his career might be done, unfortunately. He's, he's got the neck injury. All right, his production slipped every year since that Super Bowl win. Uh, it was just sort of lightning in a bottle. And, again, a good dude. I think maybe in a, right, in a right backup role, Joe Flacco can exist in the NFL, but certainly not at $20 million plus anymore and certainly not in Denver. I think his time in Denver has come to an end based on how that all unfolded the last couple of weeks. I, I like the idea of Andy Dalton going there. I th- there's going to be other names coming up, folks. I'm, Matthew Stafford, I threw a tweet out there when he was deactivated for week 12, and it sounds like he's going to be shut down for the whole year. He's a heck of a quarterback, all right? He's a heck of a, a heck of a kid. He can sling the ball. He's tough as nails. All right, he has – this is – when you're talking about his first couple of games missed in his career this year. I mean, he has gone out there battered and bruised and, and done his part for sure. I, I, I just I get the same kind of Andy Dalton feeling that a change of scenery would be outstanding for him. And I'm not long for Matthew Stafford in Denver or coming into that Chargers team and, and taking the reins over from Phillip Rivers. Uh, I realize they're going to have to go young at some point, and you, know, there's, you can draft some, somebody right now and put them behind a Matthew Stafford and see how that, how that goes for a couple of years. Stafford's got three years left in this deal. It's three years at about $21 million a year. It's a great, it's, that's great value. Okay, now maybe Stafford says, you got to pay me some more money. You, th- you throw him a little signing bonus to come out there. But that's a tradable contract, is my point. As long as he's healthy, you know, as long as that back heals all winter and he comes back in March and, and, and all systems are go, Detroit, Detroit doesn't really have a, an option right now behind him. I mean, Jeff Driscoll is Jeff Driscoll. It's possible they get themselves in a position where they're in, in line for a quarterback in the first round this year because they're sliding. Uh, and there's, you know, four to five solid quarterbacks in that draft right now. So 
it's possible that's what Detroit is thinking. I think they know that they're behind the game in Green Bay and Minnesota and probably Chicago. It's probably close, but I think they're probably down at the bottom of that division right now. So does it make sense to keep Stafford and try to keep pushing that thing down? I, I don't know. I, I just don't know anymore. It, it seems to me like for both sides – uh, moving on from Matthew Stafford makes sense. Now, he's not, he's not on my list right now, okay? This is sort of new, and I'm sort of feel, feeling this one out. I, but I wanted to speak to it here because I do believe that over the next two months, especially if he's shut down, you're going to start to hear some, some murmurs out of Detroit that, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Now, I'm sure they love the guy. I, I would love him as my quarterback. But I just think, you know, it's the conversation we had about sitting on your hands. At some point, you've got to make a bold move and say, all right, it's time, to, it's time to do better. It's time to be better because this guy's great, but he's not getting us to where we need to be. And I just wonder. I, I like the Chargers for Matthew Stafford if that all unfolds. A couple other names on this list. We mentioned Trubisky. I don't know. He's fully guaranteed, okay, through the next two years. Excuse, excuse me. Uh, not yet. Fully guaranteed through 2020. Then there's a fifth-year option in 2021. Um, I don't know. Take what you will with it, okay? He's, he's extendable after this year. I don't expect that happens. Um, I don't think he's tradable because I don't think there's, there's teams that would value him higher than some of these veterans we've talked about who are going to be available or value him higher than any of the draft picks that are available. He's sort of in that middle ground right now. I, I put him and Josh Rosen to a lesser degree sort of in that same conversation, right? Why would I take my chances here, especially on a high contract, you know, a three, a three to $4 million cap hit when I could go and get a, a young rookie and possibly have a better experience with it, or a veteran that I know I'll have a better experience with that, that probably cost me about the same on my cap. So I, I, my guess is Chicago keeps Trubisky and that there's more conversation about changing the coach, if I had to guess, because I think the coaching staff, the play calling, and, and to what I've already spoken to, the team building, right, the front office side of it, let them down this offseason. I think this was a big step back from a year – a 12-4 2018 that had a lot of momentum. Um, and I'm not going to put that on Trubisky because I do think he's been battered up a little bit here. He's been banged up. And, I, and I, I think he's been put in a position where the offense just got stale. It got flat-out stale. They, they refuse to run the ball even though they've got weapons in David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. I mean, those are flat-out weapons, you know, especially spread option weapons. Um, so I just think that the – that the coaching, the play calling has been more of a culprit than Trubisky this year. And from a financial standpoint, it makes no sense to move on from him. So I, my guess is right now that he is the, at least in the fold in 2020. Maybe there's another, maybe Cam Newton's there with him. You know, maybe that's a possibility, but uh, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be so quick to say he's done in Chicago, at least by, uh, by all regards. All right, let's move forward here. Uh, the running back situation, it's not going away. <laughs> I hate to say it, but... Uh, you know, any running back contract outside of Todd Gurley's ridiculously, you know, rolling guaranteed contract. I mean, Todd, he's already guaranteed through 2020. So love him or hate him, whether you think he's healthy or hurt, whether you think he's a bust or a boom, um, he's not going anywhere. He's, he's on the Rams in 2020 because that's not tradable, obviously. Between him, him and Zeke Elliott, obviously, uh, those contracts are pretty safe. Everyone else is fair game, completely fair game. So if you want, if you think Tevin Coleman's not long for the 49ers, I disagree with you, but that contract is outable at this point. The big one's Le'Veon Bell, all right? And look, the Jets have turned a corner here. They look great. 
They look like the Sam Darnold offense I think a lot of us expected it was going to be. Uh, Robbie Anderson's a number one wide receiver. Le'Veon Bell's a number one running back. They've got a couple of tight ends in Herndon and Ryan and Griffin that could really play some ball. The offensive line is settling. They need to upgrade that for sure. I mean, that is the offseason job of the New York Jets is to upgrade the offensive line um, because they've been they've had injuries, but they've also had some players not play well. Here's the thing. You can get out from Le'Veon Bell and save yourself some cap. You can do it. If you need to trade that guy right now and eat the signing bonus, you can do it. I think, I, I think at this point both parties are pretty happy with themselves. Um, you know, Bell's not Pittsburgh Bell. He's not the Steelers' Le'Veon Bell. Let's be honest. All right, we knew that based on the age and, and how this was all going to unfold. But I think they're starting to understand each other a little more, and, and he's being utilized a little bit better. And I think, I think there's probably one more year out of Le'Veon Bell in New York, at least to see if this offense can take the next step because they've showed a lot of positive signs through the middle of the season here, and we'll see if they can finish that out in 2019. Again, like I said, I do three to four iterations of this article, and he's one that could fall off by week 15. If I think that you know, his role has been defined as a New York Jet, then for sure he's going to be under, in the fold in 2020. But, you know... If it all goes bad and 2019 finishes off terribly, first of all, we'll hear, we'll hear about it because he will speak about it, speak to it. He does that, which is great for guys like me doing these articles. And then he'll be back on this list and he'll be a trade asset for sure because the majority of the dead cap will stay with the Jets. So it's a tradable contract in that regard. I mentioned David Johnson already. Arizona's essentially going to have to eat some of this cap. All right? I mean, they can do a post-June 1st release. That'll save him a couple of million bucks. Um, but they're going to take on $16 million of dead cap to move on from David Johnson. Now, do they want to do that? Right? Wouldn't they rather just let him play out 2020 and see what happens? This is the perfect example of who are we? Do we think we're going to be good in two years, or do we think we're going to be good in four years? Right? This is identifying the window you're in. If Arizona likes what they have, and I think they should, They've taken some major steps forward, and they've done it without David Johnson's services. Even when he's been on the field at 50% health, they really haven't utilized him. They acquired Kenyon Drake. Chase Edmonds looks at least a viable number two option. Now, Drake's contract is expiring. So I think we'll know what's going to happen based on do, you, do we extend Kenyon Drake? Do we take a third-round pick on a running back? All of those things come into play. My guess is David Johnson gets another year because it's – a bit of a financial headache to move on, and they're going to need some depth at the position anyway. The problem is his cap hit is fourteen point two five million next year, which is that's a big that's a boss cap hit, okay, <laughs> for a position that's declining financially and needs three to four guys in tow. I mean, you need three or four running backs to survive a sixteen week season. Um, it's a fifty fifty shot in my opinion that th that this contract stays. Arizona can certainly handle. 16 million of dead cap if they want to go that route. And they can handle a $14 million cap hit for Johnson, too. Uh, it's a football decision, in my opinion. Like I said, he's, his usage has been way down because of injuries and because the other players are sort of holding their own. Uh, my bet is if I had to lean one way, I think you extend Kenyon Drake to a, you know, a mediocre contract, three years, 20, 20 million or something like that, and, uh, and you punt on David Johnson and eat that dead cap in 2020, a year where you're not contenders, 
but it's time to start progressing, right? So that's that's when you do that kind of move. When you're when you when you say, all right, we're not we're not built we're not ripping it down anymore. We're starting to push back up. That's when you have to make these kind of decisions and say, all right, we need to be willing this year to eat some cap we probably shouldn't eat because it's about 2021, right? 2020 is going to be our our upper transition year, and David Johnson's contract can't be part of that future. So we're going to take $16 million of dead cap to move on and, and, and progress. So to me, that's one to watch. We'll know what Arizona thinks about themselves in the next few months based on really this position because moving on from that David Johnson contract is a big deal, financially speaking. Speaking of, Devonta Freeman, Atlanta, uh, the Falcons are a shell of themselves. They just are. They, they, I don't think any team has, has fallen farther faster in, in a two-year span than the Falcons have from Super Bowl to bottom of the league. Um, certainly can't justify Freeman anymore. Injuries, product, lack of production. I mean, it's an Eddie Lacy type of mindset here, right? This guy was a bruiser. He, he was finding holes that didn't exist. He was putting his head down and going. Got a nice contract. Didn't even get over $10 million a year. I mean, it was, a, it was sort of the contract we all thought the running backs were going to get from, from here forward. Obviously, that's changed with Zeke and Gurley. But they, they, there's no trouble getting out of this deal now. I mean, he's played out his dead cap to a, a certain degree. They can save themselves $3.5 million by just releasing him and flat-out releasing him in March. Uh, it's possible he's tradable. It's possible, but I wouldn't expect it. Um, I just, you know, $9.5 million cap hit right now, I wouldn't expect that uh, any team would take on something close to that. When, when, you, when the tea leaves are, he's going to get released anyway. So I expect him to be released. I expect Jarek McKinnon to be released. I expect Deion Lewis to be released. Uh, and then there's some other names as well. The, 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 the last one to talk about here is, is Leonard Fournette. Uh, Jacksonville's, again, two years from, you know, near AFC contenders to bottom of the barrel. Uh, maybe Blake Bortles wasn't the problem, huh? <laughs> uh, the defense has just come back down to earth. There's a ton of defensive players on this bubble list, starting with Marcel Darius, who for sure is going to come off the cap. Leonard Fournette's an interesting one. He's going to be on his fifth-year option. Um, which won't guarantee until the league year. I, I don't know. It, it makes it seems silly for them to move on. Excuse me. Fournette has one more year and then the fifth year option. So next year is a fully guaranteed four point one million dollar cash, eight point six million dollar cap hit. So it's a pretty high cap hit. It's up there with Devontae Freeman. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you elect? Do you move on from a guy still in his rookie contract that's fully guaranteed? but really isn't doing – he's not the impact player you certainly wanted him to be. I, I think a smart GM says, let's cut bait. Let's find ourselves somebody, a more dynamic running back that can fit the new, the new model, right? Somebody who can go better with a Nick Foles run offense. I mean, Philadelphia is not putting Leonard Fournette's out there. The, the offense that Nick Foles just came from didn't have a bruiser running back like Leonard Fournette. Now, that's not to say it can't work, but I don't think it has. I don't think Leonard Fournette's done enough on the field consistently over these three years to warrant, certainly not warrant an extension conversation, um, and I think it's sliding more towards should we cut ties now and, and build the, rebuild this thing right now through the draft or through free agency because there will be some names out there to get. Um, we'll see. That's, to me, that's the, 
That's the biggest one to watch over the next six weeks. Can his production sort of increase and put himself back in a position where this is a laughable conversation? Or are we really going to be walking into the offseason with half of Jacksonville's defense and their star running back on the chopping block? We'll see. That's a big one. That's a, that's a team that, like the Falcons, I think they thought they had their core intact, and now 18 months later they're probably wishing they could blow it all up and start over again. So we'll see what happens with that one. The wide receiver list is, I'm not going to say barren, but there's two names at the top that are in similar spots, and they're there for very different reasons. Okay, Sammy Watkins signed a, a crazily overpriced contract to become a member of the Chiefs before the 2018 season. All right, three years, $48 million, 30 fully guaranteed signing. Now, remember, this is a player who was a role player for the Rams after he was traded away from the Bills where he couldn't stay healthy. All right, so, yes, his ceiling was high, and it remains high. He certainly has his boom weeks. But this was a contract that a lot of us rolled our eyes at because it was early in free agency, and, it was, I mean, $30 million guaranteed is not for nothing, right? Uh, the time is up on that. Watkins is still essentially a role player, a boomer bust kind of guy. There's plenty of miles to feed in Kansas City at this point on the offensive side of the ball, and that defense has to get completely rebuilt. So his 13, 14 million to be saved from a release or trade this year seems like a no-brainer. It's it's 14 million cash, so it, it's a 14 million dollar traded traded salary. It's possible they find a partner for that. I mean, there are certainly teams that that need a wide receiver one. <laughs> one of which is the Buffalo Bills, by the way. Uh, I don't imagine that happens again. But there's teams out there that can use this, that could use one more weapon to get themselves over the top. So it's possible Watkins is on the trade block and that $14 million salary is doable. Certainly that would need to be restructured into an extension. Nobody, I, don't, I don't imagine he plays on a one-year deal anywhere. But for sure, Kansas City gets him off their cap because they just need, they need the money. They need the allocated cap to go somewhere else next year, and it's all defense. Similar, but... Very different conversation. Brandon Cooks with the Rams. Uh, boy, there are probably a few contracts. We're recording this on Monday morning, so the Rams-Baltimore Ravens game is 12 hours away still. But I'm going to guess that it goes bad for the Rams. I could be wrong, um, but I'm going to guess that Baltimore rolls over the Rams and the Rams season essentially comes crashing to a halt here. Um, we've talked about it before. Between Goff and Gurley and Donald and Cooks, uh, there's just a lot of money and a lot of cap pumped into those four players, and you're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey, and Robert Woods is going to need a contract. I, I assume at this point Robert Woods is is out the door. Uh, maybe not this year, though. But if Brandon Cooks has to go, he's got a $16.8 million cap hit. He's got $21.8 million of dead cap. Generally, I don't, even, I don't even touch this guy for this roster bubble list. But how can you not? I mean, how the injuries, the lack of production, the lack of usage, and then the high cap hit. I, I can't imagine that the Rams want anything to do with this contract at this point. And they're, and they're willing to eat, you know, the 21-8 dead cap to get him off the roster at this point. Can they afford to do that and stay relevant? I'm not sure. Uh, they, might have to t- they might have to punt on 2020 and pump 30 to $40 million of dead cap on their, on their system and sort of have a just a quick bridge year. Kind of similar to what the Golden State Warriors are doing in basketball. I mean, the injuries just piled up. There's nothing they can do. They have to punt on 2019, the the Warriors. The Rams might have to have a one-year little bridge to say, all right, we got to clean some things up. All right, we're not going to be able to go and build and push and push. 
even though we love, you know, these 10 guys, you know, and maybe, it, maybe it'll, it's a bit of a cleanse, right? Maybe they can do a little bit of a financial cleanse and then get themselves right back into, into good standings in 2021. I don't know. I don't know if that's how they want to operate on. I don't know if that's how they might. They, maybe they like Brandon Cooks. Okay. Maybe, maybe they think that we're all crazy talking about this guy. Uh, I just think at, at $16.8 million of cap, he better be a heck of a player. And right now, Brandon Cooks is a role player. So he's on this list because of all those reasons. Even though contractually speaking, he's upside down. The dead cap is way more than the cap right now. So we'll see. Those two players from a, from a wide receiver standpoint, definitely ones to watch. Two you know, prominent teams that have decisions to make. We'll see what happens. Tight ends, you probably know the names already. Greg Olson in Carolina, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed. Uh, I've got Jared Cook there in, with the Saints because, to be honest, he's just he hasn't been there. He hasn't been that productive player that they wanted him to be. Trey Burton, similar in Chicago, can't stay on the field, can't get on the field. Uh, that's a weapon they're going to have to replace, in my opinion, with a couple of these young kids. Uh, Delaney Walker just seems like John o. Smith is the guy there going forward. They don't need the high cap hit there. And then a couple of smaller names from there. So notable names in the tight ends position. Uh, plenty more to talk about from the tight end standpoint, as we've got a couple of kids in George Kittle and Hunter Henry and there's one more that I'm missing that are going to reset this market. They, they are going to push this envelope. There's going to be, I think, a $12 million per year tight end coming sooner than later here. But it's been a kind of a two-year lull in, at the tight end position, financially speaking. Um, really, since Gronk left, Travis Kelsey got paid a couple of years ago. He's been worth every dollar of that. We'll see. I, I, I do think that a couple of these kids are really going to make an impact and sign some big-time contracts this coming offseason. So while there will be some veterans falling off that I mentioned, you're going to have some of these kids sort of reset that market. So it's a, it should be a good offseason for the tight end position. All right, let's finish on this. I'll come back in, on the next show with the defensive side of this because there's plenty of, of big names on the defensive side of the ball. But let's, let's finish on the offensive line because we have to talk Trent Williams. We just have to. Uh, a guy who refuses to play for his current team, the Redskins, and understandably so for a lot of reasons. They're going to take a dead cap hit to, to move on from him. And they, they are going to move on from him. They're not going to hold him hostage. It just won't work because they've got too many other things going on. They've got three quarterbacks, and I don't think they like any of them. Alex Smith, you know, seemed, I think it was a great move to get Alex Smith when they did. I like the contract they signed him to. The guy shattered his leg. I mean, what do you want? You know, that's just... It's, it's terrible. It's unfortunate. Another good guy that really fought his way back into his career. And, you know, I, I don't believe he'll, be a, he'll ever play again. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And, you know, things won't be as bad in Washington if Alex Smith can come, can come back and play out this fully guaranteed 2020 season. But if not, then you've got Alex Smith at a huge number. You've got Case Keenum falling off the list, McCoy falling off the list, and you've got a fully guaranteed Dwayne Haskins who – Man, I know he won yesterday, but if you haven't seen the selfie situation, the selfie article or the Instagram post, whatever you get your news, <laughs> find the Dwayne Haskins selfie scenario because uh, that is not a good look for a player on a terrible team who I don't think anybody really likes that much from a quarterback standpoint. <laughs> so, again, there's bigger fish to, f to feed in Washington, but the biggest one and the most important one might be Trent Williams because – you are nothing without your offensive line right now from a running or a passing standpoint, and they are not going to have this left tackle. They're not. And quite frankly, 
this could have spiderweb effect because Brandon Scherf, the an outstanding all pro guard, needs a contract. It's possible he links himself with Trent Williams and says, no, 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 I'm not staying here. If this is how this is all handled and all treated, not to mention, uh, you know, our prospective team for the next two to three years doesn't look pretty good. He might walk. So now you're losing your left tackle, your left guard. Morgan Moses is, is a solid player on the right side of the, of the offensive line. If everything starts to crumble, you might see three out of the five offensive linemen from the Washington Redskins walk this offseason. That's not a good look. That's not a good look for a team that can't run the ball and really can't throw the ball and doesn't like the guy throwing the ball in the first place. So, man, and, and I'll spoiler alert, Josh Norman's on this list as well. He's, he's just not producing near what the cap is anymore. I mean, he's been on this massive contract for three years. It is definitely time to move on from Josh Norman. So there's a lot of big Washington Redskins names on this list. It starts with Alex Smith, obviously Trent Williams, and Josh Norman. It could be a major fire sale, a brand-new coach. I mean, you've got rumors about the ownership. There's just a lot going on in Washington. None of it's good, none of it's positive. So certainly a team to watch there, um, and hopefully a Hard Knocks episode, right? Outside of that, I got a couple of Bears players on here offensively. I just think it's time. I know Kyle Long is a solid player when he's, when he's healthy. He's not healthy, okay? He's just not healthy, and he's got an almost $10 million cap hit. The, Bear, the Bears sat on their hands this offseason. They cannot do it this year. They have got, if Brandon Scherf becomes available, he should be a Chicago Bear in five minutes, okay? That's the kind of thinking they've got to have right now. We, we, think we, we think we like our quarterback. We've got some weapons for him now. They certainly need more weapons. I'm not going to discount that. But they have got to be out there looking for identifying the best left guard, a better right tackle, in my opinion, and go from there. They've locked in their center. They've got a solid left tackle in Leno but they've got to fill in the blanks to make sure that this thing is right so that, that Trubisky can stay up, that Trubisky can run the ball. For some reason, they stopped doing that. Um, I just think that's, that's it's area number one for the Chicago Bears this offseason is identify the best guard available, whether it's draft, whether it's, well, it won't be a first-round draft, but whether it's a second-round pick or a free agent acquisition, they've got to do it. And there's going to be some names out there. All right, There just are. There's teams that are going to have to, p- to punt on a couple of these players here. We'll see. I've got about 15 offensive linemen on this list. Uh, in total, I've got about 75 players on this, on this list. Like I said, we'll come back in a couple of days here, and one of the segments will be the entire defensive side of the ball, and we'll talk about some of those names because, like I said, there's some big ones. Uh, plenty of guys that aren't producing near their cap for 2020, so we'll talk about it in the next show. But let's, uh, let's switch some gears here. I've been talking to myself here too much. I'm going to get a cup of coffee, and we're going to talk some basketball with Scott Allen. All right, we're happy to be joined by Scott Allen, the NBA guru. Give me a break from some of this long talking here. Let's talk some NBA, Scott. Let's talk some basketball. Yeah, let's uh, do it. I mean, not – I mean, <laughs> when I started to write this show, my, my thinking was we haven't talked basketball in a while because there's nothing really to talk about, right? This is the first the first two months of the season are – eh, right? Not, nope, not right. many people even realize the NBA's on, right? They'll stumble upon TNT on Thursday night, but for the most part – is this how teams identify themselves too? I mean, really, are they sort of in, still in spring in preseason mode right now, trying to figure out their rosters, run their systems, figure out who matters, you know, who who's working, who's not working? I, I just when are we going to get to the point where it's go time? I think in the NFL yeah. we, we just hit that point, don't you? 
Don't we don't we sort of know now who the NFL teams are? It felt like the San Francisco win last night was a statement of we're not going away. Right? We're it's time to really start watching us. We're we're one of the best teams in all of football. It just feels like twelve weeks in now into the NFL, we can sort of figure out who teams are. When did we get to that point with the basketball teams? Yeah, I mean, usually Christmas Day is the that threshold of all right, NBA's here. Uh, right now, most of the teams are trying to figure out who they are. They, they, their preseason, they only get what four or five games in a preseason. Yeah, I so wasn't kidding. Really don't have a- I wasn't kidding. This kind, that's kind of how they treat the first month, right? Yeah, they do. I, I mean, especially because there, there are no trades until December fifteenth, which we'll talk about in a little later. But there's not a lot of roster movement right now. The only uh, breaking news, if you want to call it, was. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony coming in. So a lot of it right now is chemistry. Try not to get injured. Uh, that's going to put you out for weeks at a time. Yeah. And it, it's about load management. And, yeah. Load management and trying to just stay the course, see where you can get to, to the, in December. And hopefully you, you have a puncher's chance once you get into the middle of the season here. Yeah, I mean, nobody's really burning the uh, the midnight oil here. The Bucks are thirteen and three. That's the be- is that the best? No, the Lakers are fourteen and two. So those are your top two teams. So right. obviously, but then we've got five teams, five or six teams in each conference at eleven to twelve wins. Mm-hmm. So we've established, you know, twelve good teams, maybe great teams, um, and then there's the Knicks, of course, which we'll get to, but. There's, it just seems like th- this is going to be slow played for two months, and that's probably how it should be. Isn't that a conversation to have about about the structure of this league? Yeah, I think so because uh, it's a marathon for sure. I mean, but it doesn't have, have to be. Is my point right? No, and I mean maybe for another podcast with the sweeping changes that Silver is coming out with. Uh, maybe some of that will change a little bit and some of the dynamics. But I mean, right now when you're talking about 82 games plus a playoffs teams like the Clippers, the Lakers, I mean, going all out for all those games. I mean, we saw it with golden state when they were trying to shoot for that 70, uh, 72, 73 it killed them. plus it killed them. Once they got into the playoffs, they just lost all their steam in the finals. So, I mean, teams are smarter now, especially with the analytics and the sleeping and the, uh, uh, injury management and mm-hmm. um you know fatigue i mean you're seeing guys get rested that you wouldn't necessarily see or because they had an injury last season they're sort of they'll play they'll take a rest they'll play they'll take a rest so you're you're seeing teams trying to be a little more calculated and sort of things will ramp up once January, February, you'll really see teams start to to push Scott, it. Scott, when's the trade deadline? End of February? February 7th. February 7th. Year. So, okay. Um, so if Christmas is when teams sort of settle in, right, mm-hmm. and start to go, you've got about six weeks then? Where, yeah, about that. I mean, are we going to start seeing trades right away, you think? It, in, actually, in I, I, I think because of the – not so stellar to 2020 free agent class. Yeah. And the field is really 
essentially wide open right now, especially with the, you know, the playoff yeah. Yeah, like line I said, there's, there. There's I a think, bunch of six seeds with 11 wins right now. That could be, those are the I teams think, you want to push up, right? Right. And I, I would like to say that you're going to see a flurry of trades this year. Yeah. I could be completely wrong, but with reading the tea leaves of a, a not so stellar 2020 free agency and teams n- noticing that, Anyone can win this, especially, I mean, we're seeing the East and uh, even from the beginning where we said it was wide open. I mean, you have uh, teams that are within one or two wins of each other just to make the seven, eight seed in actually in both conferences as I'm looking at it here. So I think you're going to see a flurry of trades if they can manipulate it to work to their advantage. I mean, we've seen some teams that need shooting. We've seen teams that need a big man because for one reason or another, whether it's injuries or they just don't have one right now. So I do. I think we may see an influx of uh, trades in December and January when you don't usually see that. Yeah. Um, Let's do a two for one conversation here because I want to talk about some of the offseason moves and sort of not so much grade them, but, you know. How do we feel about them? How comfortable do you think the teams feel with the moves? The, 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 the number one team to talk about is the Lakers. They're 14-2. Mm-hmm. and two. Anthony Davis was the big offseason acquisition. Um, but I think you and I have had a lot of offline conversations about the Lakers. How do you think the Lakers feel about themselves in March? Uh, they're going to look at themselves. Well, right now they're looking at themselves saying, I hope. Sorry, let me, let me rephrase. February 8th. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? I, I do. And it's been the mantra of LeBron's teams for the past few years. Right. Of, He's <laughs> changed them up on the fly. Ch- change them on the fly. I mean, back to Cleveland when half the roster was gone after the trade deadline. I, you may see that with this team. Uh, I mean, they've gotten lucky. Scott, but can with, they? Th- they could for some some minor role players. Yeah. Um, can we just say they, this right they now? Need a sh- They're not they getting need a Chris shooter. Paul, right? No, no, that's not going to happen. The only way um, it's possible, and I started to do some math. I know you did too. They need help. They need a third team, yeah. right? They need essentially the same way they got Anthony Davis. They need a third team to help them out to get one more. If they think they need one more player, they need help. Why would anybody help the Lakers? Yeah, and I think what they may end up doing is moving some of their role players to upgrade the role player. Yeah. They need some, they need some shooters for sure. Um, I mean, Rondo's been in and out with injuries, so they sort of need a point guard because can LeBron sustain yeah. 82 straight games of all that wear and tear? I mean, you may see by uh, in February he may need to take some time off. He says he doesn't want to. He wants to go all the way if he can. Uh, But I mean, with all the wear and tear that he already has on his body, plus Anthony Davis with his shoulder, I mean, there, there's going to be some uh, issues with injuries at some point. There's just going to be a breakdown. So yeah, I mean, they need, they may need to make a move right now. They've been lucky with uh, Dwight Howard, I mean, he's on a non-guaranteed salary right now, but they've gotten lucky with the production out of him. Yeah. Um, and LeBron and Davis have been gelling really Outst- well. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. Um, 
little side tangent here with them. I'm thinking of them. I'm thinking of the Clippers, who are, in some degree, two different, have taking two different approaches. The Lakers are coming out red hot, and they're the the foot's mm-hmm. right down on the pedal, right? Right. Clippers mm-hmm. are clearly not, clearly not. I mean, they are the load management kings right now, and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, is this a is this going to be how it's going to be? Or are the Lakers going to have to pull back? I mean, we all know LeBron likes to take a couple of weeks off and just honestly cleanse himself, right? Right. Like, like replenish his energy. I don't think he can do it. We saw it last year. The second when he got hurt, Christmas Day, was it Christmas Day? He got hurt around there, right? Around there, yeah. That that Lakers team fell to the bottom immediately without him. And now they've got Anthony Davis in the fold. I don't know if it's sustainable, though. I don't know well, that they can sustain two to three weeks without one of those players right now. Yeah, and that's what I meant with the injuries. I mean, if, if one of those two go down or for if both of them go down, that team is a shell of itself. I mean, the two of them are driving everything. I mean, at some point, maybe they reduce the minutes just to yeah. pull back a little bit, and especially if they're up really big i was gonna uh, say well not so much during a game but don't you think they're gonna have to take a couple of games off just not be afraid to lose a couple of games yeah and they may do that with some of these lower lower teams that aren't winning that they think maybe it may be a easy win for us and maybe he plays less minutes if they're playing an eastern conference team you know We'll, we'll do our best to win with, with our, our death players, but if it doesn't happen, oh, well, right? I mean, that you have to think that way over the yeah, especially on a big, Especially on a big East Coast swing. Exactly. Um, I, I think you may see that happen. It may have to happen uh, if they don't upgrade yeah. some of those those players. But Let LeBron and Anthony Davis go watch some Duke-Kentucky games. <laughs> Honestly, you're going to see it, right? right. I mean, they're going to have yeah. to take half the season and just sort of mitigate it. Um, how important is getting the number one overall seed going to be for any of these teams we mentioned in the West? I mean, I, I think it may, with the slugfest that it's happening right now, uh, and as it gets closer, I think home court advantage is going to be, going to be key. I mean, what would be interesting is if the home court advantage is, uh, Lakers and Clippers at some point in, in a series yeah. when they're beating up who has the home court advantage. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be super interesting to see. I, I think that's where we're going. Don't you think? I think so. I think <laughs> right now that's what Vegas thinks. Yeah. Right now. I mean, that's where things are trending. We'll see. I mean, like I said, it's a long season. Some things can happen. So well, let's talk about one of those other teams, the Rockets who are right. sort of flying under the radar here. I I'm guessing they love that after a, a year of exhausting James Harden discussions. Oh, by the way, Harden's even better <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. Historic mm-hmm. points per game. Um, I'm talking Wilt Chamberlain points per game. And that doesn't seem to be going away, even though, you know, this dynamic ball hog of Russell Westbrook is now standing next to him. Uh, there's no way any of us thought it was going to work this quickly, right? No, there were some that thought it was going to never going to work t- t- yeah. tailspin down and it, they weren't going to be able to gel together or who who's going to have the ball. Who's who's going to get frustrated first. I mean, it's been working really well outside of no defense, but I just love the fact that 
similar to Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and, and on the Clippers, they're going to be able to manage this thing all year long. James Harden can can literally take games off now because they can run a different but just as productive offense through Westbrook. Westbrook. I, I mean, it, they can essentially be two different teams because Westbrook as a complementary role to Harden, which we didn't think he could be, but he is. He's doing it. That's one. But on a night where James Harden is either – you know, needs a rest night or is maybe injured, they can turn the keys over to Westbrook, and he it can be a triple-double Russell Westbrook game. You know what I mean? There's Right. I mean, Westbrook's not 35 years old. He's still got a couple of those games in him for sure. I, yeah, I love I, the idea that they can sort of Jekyll and Hyde this thing and maybe catch some guys off guard, especially in like a seven-game series. I think this is going to be a nasty setup for a, a playoff series. Well, in Westbrook's Stats are down a little bit for rebounds purposely, purposely. but but his points are relatively the same. So, I mean, it's not like he's taking a huge hit. It's actually probably better for him that he's not having to get that wear and tear and the extra whatever. I mean, that balance of right. And if Harden goes down with an injury for some reason, you have someone that is essentially the same kind of person outside of shooting a gazillion threes. Yeah. Uh, you have a someone who can manage and someone who can take over in the event that he goes down. Doesn't it feel between Chris Paul and the Rockets and Kyrie Irving and the Celtics that both of those franchises just got better? <laughs> well, it seems, that's the nicest way I can say it. But doesn't it seem like they got rid of the uh, the elephant in the room? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it. it Especially with the Celtics. I mean, they, they look like a different team. Yeah, those two injuries, though, are going to catch up to them. They've got their entire backcourt is now injured. Uh, right. we, don't, we don't know to what degree with Kemba Walker yet, but uh, it's in the hands of the kids now for the next month or so, I think, and we'll see how that works out. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I still think they're a contender, but um, we've got the Knicks on this, but, on this show but, list. Can we just skip the Knicks? <laughs> I have, I, real, I have real nothing to quick, say about the Knicks. Go ahead. Real quick with the Celtics. I mean, we talked the uh, a week or two ago about baseball and the like how Max Scherzer got injured in the middle of the season and then he came back. I mean, that might help out the Celtics right now. Not that you want to have somebody injured. <laughs> forced but load management, yeah. Forced load management. You're letting the kids grow a little more, but then in the event that they come, the Kemba and Hayward come back, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be – stocked up and ready to go so it may work out to their advantage through you know who's the big man they go after scott steven adams i mean that's that's the one that i've heard i think he would fit really well there me too um i I think that's a no-brainer if they can make it work i'm not sure who else might be under the radar how do you match that cap hit though you're giving up two of the kids yeah you may have to i mean Oklahoma city would probably like that because they're sort of retooling here. Yeah. Um, so I, I haven't played with the, the trade scenarios to see what it would have to happen, but I mean, he, I think he would fit really well in that system. Yeah. A lot, a lot of good things there. Let me, let me throw two teams at you. One of them is right in your hometown there. Uh, we're talking about how the Lakers might need to, to get a player. Celtics will need to get a player. I don't think the Clippers will need to, um, but you know, a couple of these teams at the top, uh, maybe even Houston, right? I think they could probably use some power forward going forward. But um, the Washington Wizards mm-hmm. sort of exceeding expectations right now, which could put a couple of those players on the trade block, right? I, th- I think a couple of those guys could be worthy of, 
joining a contender for the stretch run. And here's a really interesting team. They're 8-8 eight and eight right now, which I think is better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. How about the Brooklyn Nets? So the Nets, they're playing right now without Kyrie Irving, who's got a shoulder injury. I mean, he's going to be injured all the time. It's just the nature of his, his physicality right now. They're obviously playing without Kevin Durant. This is going to be a whole different team in 2020, right? Right. I mean, this is sort of a setup for next year is all this is. This is a setup year. So don't you think there's probably at least two players on this roster right now that, that are going to have ridiculously reduced roles next year? And if that's the case, aren't those trade pieces? Isn't Spencer Dinwiddie a trade piece right now? Yeah, he could be. I mean, trade high right now. Um, I, to I me, also him, him on the Lakers, Scott, makes a ton of sense. A ton of sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And his cap is uh, like a little over $10.5 million, So, yeah. I mean, that it's an easy piece to move if you need to. I mean, it's interesting some of the teams that are at the bottom right now. I mean, we we see Golden State. Uh, you mentioned the the Nets are at eight and eight, so who knows where that may go? Uh, I'll also bring in Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. I mean, th- they're struggling. Most but disappointing some of these, team. But some of these teams that we're seeing that have been really good for a while now are starting to be at the bottom, and you wonder if they make some moves in the where they may be lottery teams and they're able to re restock some of that youth i mean you you could potentially see that maybe with brooklyn where all right we'll sell high on these guys and if if we go if we end up in a lottery spot so be it we're gonna get a potential lottery spot player and to coincide with irving and durant once he's back so i mean it's interesting to see not that these teams the players don't want to tank but you may see teams massage those rosters to force failure. Can you imagine James Wiseman on the Golden State Warriors next year? I, I've thought of it. I've thought of it. I mean, if that happens, wow. How, how, how do you catch lightning in a bottle the, twice? Aren't they, the, aren't they the number one pick right now? As of right now, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yes. It's essentially the Colts losing Peyton Manning and getting Andrew Luck. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. Miserable. All right. Let's uh so any other off season yeah, moves? Any other yeah, off season moves that you think, you know, are worth talking about? I mean, the are the Raptors about where we thought they would be right now? I, I think the Raptors are actually in a way surprising some people of how well they're doing with having lost Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. and coming off that championship. Sometimes there's that hangover. So I think that they're actually kind of surprising some people that they're, they've been dealing with some injuries. So they've had a lot of bench players having to fill in. And I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing that with a lot of other teams. I mean, the Pelicans, not that anyone really expected them to light the world on fire not but without Zion. They've, no, they've been plagued with injuries Golden State has been plagued with injuries. Indiana has had some injuries. I mean, we're seeing a lot of teams uh, depleted. I mean, we saw Golden State have to – they only had like nine or ten guys with oh, oh, short status. Bench. Very short bench. So, I mean, <laughs> I think injuries is one of the things that we've seen so far. I mean, there – 
actual transactional moves, there hasn't been anything outside of, like I said, Carmelo Anthony. It's a non-guaranteed salary with the Trailblazers. So if they want to waive him tomorrow, all they owe him is for the days that he's Five games, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's – he's there to – try to give him a spark with shooting. We'll see if how that goes. Ryan Anderson was waived by Houston. They retained $500,000 of dead money. Uh, but other than that, I mean, that's all that's been happening. So let's get to the trades. Uh, nobody can trade until December 15th. No trades until December 15th. That's approximately a third of the players that had been signed from free agency. Mm. So like a hundred and, 30 ish players that restriction lifts. So then they can, they can be traded on December 15th, 16th, whatever they want. And then if those players are traded, there's a two month, if they're aggregated together, there's a two month restriction from that date. So most mm. of the guys, once they're traded, they're not going to be able to be moved again because the, the trade deadline was moved up from it used to be like mid to end February, but now it's February 7th. And that actually two months from December 15th puts that pass. So once a guy's traded, unless, unless they're traded by themselves, then they can be moved right away. But if they're with other players, they're stuck. So I think, like I said earlier, I think you may see an influx of moves because of all these teams uh, whether it's injuries or dealing with 2020 free agency um, or just cap reducing some payments and luxury tax and that kind of stuff, I think you may see uh, some more movements this year. If Brooklyn could trade Kyrie Irvin, would they? No, I don't think so. I think they want to see what happens when Durant comes back. I think you need to at least entertain the idea of a full season with both of them before you, you move on. Yeah, I know. Especially <laughs> with the amount of money that they put pushed into both of them. Um, I think you at least have to give it another, another year. Like I said, if, if they end up being in a lottery spot and then they get someone and it may gel differently, but I mean, Irving is who Irving is, and that's why the Celtics went the way they did. I'm starting to sour on these super teams. I don't know about you. I don't know if it's getting old for yeah. me, but the, the idea of Kevin Durant with five young Brooklyn Nets around him, mm -hmm. to me that's more, in, that's more appealing than Durant and Irving, and if you want to count DeAndre Jordan, that's fine. Oh. But to me, to me... Durant shouldn't need Kyrie Irving. He, Durant is the most dynamic player in the entire league right. outside of LeBron James. He, he shouldn't need anybody getting him the ball. Lonzo Ball could be next to him on a minimum contract and should yeah, be and able I to find Kevin Durant and get him open to a point of where he could be a superstar again. I, I just don't, right. I don't know. The, the, Warrior, the Warriors were an organic super yeah. team. I mean, they, they drafted those guys outside of bringing in Durant because of the fluke of the yeah. cap going up as much as it did. But I mean, those were organic players, guys coming together. I agree. It's sort of losing its lust. And I mean, we're going to make this transition to, to Luca, but I mean, that's, that's great basketball watching yes. young kids 
that can really play. And we're seeing some of these young kids really be able to play. I mean, Trey Young has stepped up. John Morant has looked pretty well. You know what team uh, I love watching right now? The Miami Heat. Yeah. Because of, because from- there's just four or five. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a superstar, but there's just four or five guys who many of you probably don't even know their names. They're just they're just playing hard basketball. That to me, that's one of those those grinded out kind of teams that could go pretty far in the East. I yeah. Well, and the, go ahead. yeah, and you have a coach that has the yes. experience and he's uh, got the track record and he knows what to do with those kind of players. So yeah. I think Jimmy Butler in there fit is fitting in pretty well for the the players around him um so uh, yeah i agree i mean my team that i if they're on even if it's the last in the fourth quarter third quarter wherever i i love watching luca i pulled him up last night and was watching him he's just he's just a great player to watch yeah i i did in in the intro for this show here scott i basically said if you haven't seen luca play that you that's your number one priority as a sports fan yeah i mean mean, i've got is he's 40 points a night right now Yes. Yeah. He's, he's actually really close to averaging a triple double. He's got, uh, 30 and a half points per game, 10, just over 10 rebounds per game and 9.8 assists per game. He, he, I went through his stats, uh, last night in preparation for this. And he's had, I think seven triple doubles this season already. He had three other games that were one or two assists away from another triple double. So he could potentially have had 10 triple doubles out of 15 games already. I mean, he's just taking over and he's elevating the other players around him. Hardaway Jr. had 31 points last night. I mean, and him and Porzingis, they're, they're starting to gel a little more. Like we said, it, it, it's sort of preseason for them right now, trying to figure out who plays where, who's doing what. And he's really taking the Dallas Mavericks on his shoulders and saying, let's do this. Let's go. So how does Dallas stop from becoming Oklahoma city with Russell Westbrook? Because that's what, that's what Luca feels right now. Like right now, right. Mm -hmm. A, a younger, way more polished version of Westbrook where, he feels like he has to do everything because he can do everything. And for the most part, it works. And look, they're fourth in the Western Conference right now. They're winning, but Oklahoma City won too. And then they got to the playoffs, and Russ was out of steam, and they could go nowhere because they didn't have a depth. They didn't have any depth. You know, you need it's – a, it's a marathon, not a sprint when you get to the postseason. You've got to be able to outlast and out-scheme and sort of have, you know, three, four options. And when it's just Russ, Oklahoma City went nowhere. That to me feels like what Dallas is right now. How do they how do they avoid that? Is it just Porzingis has to grow into his role and get healthier? Is it uh, how do you avoid being going down that train and pushing more towards you know Luka Doncic becomes a Steph Curry type player? You know what I mean? I do, and it goes back to the injuries we've already beat down. If he if he gets injured, that team is hurt or exhausted. I mean, <laughs> they're or exhausted, right? Um, they're not going to win as many games as they would with him on the court. I think got to give Porzingis time. He hasn't played in what twenty months or something like that. So he's got to get the flow of the game. He hit some. He hit some nice shots yesterday. He yeah. hit a three that looked really, really good. Um, I think 
they may need to make a move uh, to put them over the top, especially to compliment yeah. Luca, whether it's a shooter, corner three, something like that. Um, even maybe another actual big man. Porzingis is big, but he's skinny. Um, so may, maybe a guy with some thickness uh, to, to put down low that's going to take some pounding mm-hmm. um, so that Luca doesn't have to drive to the basket as much. Um, but the, the interesting thing is that when you look at him compared to some of these other uh, younger players that we've talked about, he, he, his body can sustain. Uh, it's ridiculous that he's 20 hits. years old. Right. When you look at him, you would never guess that he is that age. And I mean, the muscle on him, he's not afraid to go to the rim and and take the hits. Yeah. I mean, he took a nasty hit uh, to the face last night and then he just popped right back up and and shot his free throws. And it was like nothing. Now, over the years, that's going to that's going to obviously wear and tear on him. But right now, I mean, sort of like in the NFL. You've got this young superstar on a rookie scale contract. You sort of have to double down right now, I think, and put a piece or two around him that it's going to put you over the top, especially in a wide open field right now. So we're in year two of that contract. It's a mm-hmm. f- essentially a three year deal with one club option after that, right? Or they've actually uh, two- it's a two year and they've exercised next year's option already. Okay, so right. when does he become eligible for that rookie extension? So he'll be rookie extension eligible after uh, uh, 2021 summer. He'll mm. be eligible. So so he, um, he's untouchable for two and a half more seasons. Right. So he, they're play. That's why I kind of said uh, it may be a point where they realize let's double down on this now because he's yeah. This is the rookie quarterback this, window, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you got this season, say they make a trade in January and then you've got the next two seasons with him. And then his, if he plays this way, they're, they're going to pay him a max. I mean, it's a no brainer at this point. So let's talk about it. What, sure. what he's going to be the super max as soon as you can get it. When can he get it? When can he, and what does he have to do or win or be rewarded to get himself as much money as possible? Lay out, lay out those guidelines. Yeah. So the 20, his extension would actually kick in in the 2022 season. Right. So we're, we're basing the math off of that season. That's so far out that I had to really do a rough estimate on what the cap is going to look like at that point. So he would be eligible to do a five year, and it comes out to about $192 million for the 25% max. Mm-hmm. So Stand, and, that'd be a standard rookie max extension, right? Right. And um, if for some reason he triggers some other criteria, he could jump up to the 30% uh, of the cap. So what would have to happen is if he wins an MVP season in this season or next season, he could be eligible for the 30% max, which would take him up to a five year, 231 million or around there. Again, this is super rough estimates, uh, but this is because of the Derrick Rose rule. Yeah. When Derrick Rose won MVP in his third season. So how if, rare is that? I, is it, 
It's gotta it's be very rare. It's gotta be it's crazy rare. rare for a rookie to win an MVP, right? Yeah, I, I want to say Rose was the only one that had done it, but I could be wrong on that. But they instituted this, this did LeBron elevation? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Man, but they instituted this this increase because Derrick Rose won the MVP, and then they added this in with the new CBA. So if he wins the MVP this season, which right now, I mean, it's what him, Giannis, and LeBron in in the whatever order you want to go with right now. So if he wins that, he could be eligible for that 30% max if Dallas wanted to go up that high. Now, there's another set of criteria. If he doesn't win MVP in either of those two seasons, if he ends up with the all-NBA first, second, or third team in the most recent season leading up to that extension, then he could... uh, capitalize on so is that is that next year or is that two years out that would be for his uh 2021 season so two years so nothing matters now nothing matters next year in two seasons he's got to be an an all pro an all nba player right and i mean right now it's looking like that seems flawed that seems flawed but but (laughs) let let me ask let, let me ask you this what if what if Rose won this MVP in his third season? What if Luca wins the MVP this season? I'm going to give you the odds. And you ready? Sure. Giannis is the favorite, eight to five. Harden at five to two. LeBron at five to one. Luca at ten to one. He's the fourth best betting odds right now. Wow. He started the year fifty to one. So if you wow. bet on Luca before the year, uh, you are happy right now. You are a very happy person because. Mm. I, it's going to be tough to take Giannis down because the East is the East. I, I think I think Harden and LeBron load management themselves into somewhat cancellations, don't you? Yeah, I would agree with that. That's why Kawhi and Paul George are, are down the list more. Anthony right. Davis is, is probably an injury away, right? And uh, Luka's and, got and the, the best chance to push forward here. In those players, maybe MVP does matter to them. True. But maybe it doesn't matter to them because they've already been paid. They can't escalate anything. It's yeah. It's a, a, a tr- an extra trophy on their shelf. So maybe it does matter. But in this case where <laughs> I was going to go was if Luca does win in his second season, an MVP. Yeah. Are we going to see And again, I know he's an anomaly, but are we going to see another Derrick Rose rule, but a, a Luca rule where if you win it in your second season, something happens or, you know, I don't know. Well, it, I can tell you, we can tell you this based on your projections, it's worth $40 million. <laughs> that MVP yeah. is worth $40 million. So when you look at it that way, that ain't a bad, uh, that ain't a bad prize. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I just think with, and what's interesting is this, 2021 2022 that area is going to be interesting because of the cba being up and i mean we've been down that road in past shows here but i mean that falls in an interesting time especially the way he's trending i mean i think we're in for an awesome show sort of uh, changing of the guard here uh so if anyone listening if you haven't seen yeah him play you, you gotta you need to turn it on I mean, it's worth worth your time. All right. 
I think I might go and bet Luca to win the MVP right now. All right, yeah. this is good. This was good. A lot of stuff. Like I said, it's kind of a dormant time for the NBA. And honestly, from a fan perspective too, you know, it's kind of tough to flip flip on the NBA right now with so much else going on. But you know, Christmas is coming, and uh, boy, I got to say this though, they, the NBA does a lot of things right, and they are pioneers with a lot of the ways they structure their leagues. They've got to be able to flex the Warriors out of these prime time games, Scott. I can't. Oh, I can't watch I this Warriors team on ESPN on Friday night anymore. I can't do it. I can't do no, it. No, I know. What, down by forty. I mean, I mean, they're on twice a week. Channel. They're on twice a week. I might buy a league pass just to not watch the Warriors. <laughs> right. I mean, give me Dallas. Been, yeah, that has been my saving grace. I I just pull it up on my phone or my tablet, and uh, I just I'll pick whoever I want, especially if it's a dud game. I mean, there's so many good teams to watch. I mean, I popped down on the the Lakers or the Clippers last night, watched yeah. a little bit of the third quarter and just to see how Paul George was looking, he hit some nice threes. I mean, I, he had six threes here's in a, like two quarters. So here's I mean, my quick take on the Clippers and we'll finish on this. They're so boring. They're so good. And so <laughs> boring. It's sort of like the old school Spurs Spurs. It's exactly <laughs> it. You just know, uh, they're going to be there at the end, but they're so boring to watch right now. They are just, yeah. they are calculated. They're maybe 85% speed right now because they're so deep and they've got, Kawhi doesn't even have to play defense. He joined a team where there's already two, two all NBA defenders on it. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's so smart the way they built this. Doc Rivers is, he's got to feel like a million bucks right now coaching this team. I mean, truly, he's got to feel great with what he has. And, and like you said, they can, if something goes wrong, they can get better. They can trade Beverly if they have to. They can trade a couple of those smaller pieces. I mean, I, yeah, they're boring, but they are solid. They're gonna be they're gonna be there throughout this whole year for sure. All right, this was good. Little NFL, little NBA. Ran a little long this week. Run a run a holiday week schedule. Gonna try to get one more show in this week before Thanksgiving. Maybe on Thanksgiving, we'll see how that goes. Um, and then we'll be back next week with plenty more. I'm sure the NFL will ramp up after the big Thanksgiving week games, and we'll see if there's any more. Uh, Major League Baseball signings. I wouldn't count on it, but <laughs> we'll, we'll be tracking that with Cousin Dan as well. So thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast, brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed financial decisions. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. For Scott Allen and Mike Gennetti, thanks for listening to another Spot Track Podcast.